Hi, I'm Britt. And my name is Alyssa. And this is Skeletales. And this is the podcast where we strive to answer the age-old question of, is my dead grandma watching me? Alyssa, why don't they play music in a skeleton church? I don't know why. Because there are no organs. I got it. Alyssa, why do skeletons never go to parties? I don't know. Because they have no body to go with. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, gold. These are sad. I'm trying to laugh. I know I'm supposed (laughs) to laugh, but I like I'm... They're real, they're real head scratchers. Too, too cheesy. It's all right. I've got one more that'll really, really get you. Okay. <laughs> why don't skeletons like wine? I don't know why. They don't have the stomach for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. All right. That's all I, I like got. that. Okay. Real no. skeleton heavy tonight. Whenever we have jokes about skeletons, I just can't. I, I, my, my brain thinks a boner, and I go like, boner. Why don't they go to church? Boner, boner. <laughs> Something about a boner. I'm sure. <laughs> Parties, Ooh, probably boner. boner. <laughs> why don't they? Why don't they like the wine? Boner. Boners. <laughs> just everything. It's the funniest punchline. <laughs> I'm going to rewrite is. all these jokes. <laughs> just um, copy and paste boner in each answer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Oh, Jesus. Do we just talk about boners, Brett, on this podcast? Every episode. But we also <laughs> tell true tales of the strange, unusual, and paranormal. Heck yeah, we do. Do you have any strange tales for us this evening, Alyssa? So... There's something called the birthday paradox. Have you heard of the birthday paradox? Never. My family, especially this younger generation, we have a habit of just having babies on the same day as another family member. Like of 365 days in the year, there's so many doubled up birthdays. So Milo, his birthday is November 18th. That is the same day as my niece Isabel's birthday. His other cousin is born the day after. She's um, November 19th. And then Mitch's mom is the day before. So there's Mitch's mom on the 17th, Milo and my niece on the 18th, my other niece on the 19th. My other niece, Lily, her birthday is the same day as my sister-in-law's, my brother's um, wife's. This is crazy. And then, so, oh, wait. And then my other niece... My my birthday's August 9th, and her birthday's August 8th. So she was born a day before me. So we've got that little cluster. And so then Mitch's cousin just had a baby last week, her first baby, little baby Coco, born on Odin's birthday. So we have yet another Is doubling this, I'm of like birthdays. losing count. Is this like eight? At least three of the same day. Three that are exactly the same day. So six people out of our family, exact same birthdays. And then there's like another. Two or three more that are like day apart. Yeah. And then my other cousins too have their birthdays two days apart. They were C-section, so they were kind of planned. These The rest are. Oh, they don't count. Yeah. Throw (laughs) those off the list. (laughs) Just kidding. Okay. Well, so what's this birthday? So there's a birthday paradox. I don't know. I'm going to read it to you because I thought about this like walking downstairs to record because I was like, oh, yeah, that is strange and unusual. 
oh, God, it's really mathy. Is there like a conclusion paragraph where it's like, in conclusion, everyone bones on these 10 days, and that is why everyone shares a birthday? Well, that's my brain went back and did the math about that. You're probably right boner. about that. Shit. Boner. <laughs> <laughs> it's November minus February. November minus nine. It's February. Valentine's Day. Oh, that's yeah. real generic. A classic. Classic. Yeah. Uh, and Way then, to be unique parents. Yeah. That means mine would be January because I'm December, right? No, that's not going to happen. Other, uh, other way. March. 12, 12 St. Patrick's nine. Day? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's voting on that day. I got like you drink a lot of beer, but for some reason I was thinking leprechaun. Leprechauns really get me going. Jesus. Your hair is kind of red, isn't it? A little bit. There you go. That's how you get them red-haired babies. Because my Odin was born in January. Oh, He's March. We found the secret. Okay. Look at us solving the birthday paradox. That's it. Never mind. I don't have a bizarre paradox. I just think it's weird. That's a lot of birthdays on the same day. And it is I'm gonna... strange. It is unusual. It counts. That is what we are about. How about you? I, are you? I am so excited to talk about. Ooh, I don't want to spoil things. Okay. Get into it. Just do I, it. I'm just going to dive in. Dive in. Go. Okay. So my, my sister um, told me that she had a neighbor who had a great story for me. And I was like, sweet, connect us. So a month later, I'm looking for stories. I reach out. I'm like, hey, give me the number to your neighbor so I can talk to them about this great story. She's like, ooh, that bridge got burnt. But she's <laughs> like, I'm so sorry. I'm going to, I will find you a story. So oh. she dives right in and put a call out to her book club. And sure enough, someone from her book club was like, oh, I had a weird thing happen. And so I got on a three-way call with my sister and her book club friend, Margaret. And uh, yeah, this is how I met Margaret and heard her story. So I'm I'm very excited to hear. All right, Margaret. So when Margaret was around 20, she studied abroad in this small town outside of London. And she was rooming with her friend who we will call Sally. And they were staying in this old abbey that was built around the 1700s. So old as shit. Um, Lighting the hallways and stairwells of this abbey um, are all these oil paintings of like dignitaries and old lords and ladies who had inhabited the Abbey or connected to the Abbey in some way in history. Um, They have these little placards next to them and they're in their twenties and they completely ignore these paintings the entire time that they're there. I want to say that she was there for like four months studying abroad. Um, So this Abbey is out in the middle of nowhere in the country and it's nothing but, like you have to take this tiny little village road to even make it to the gates of the abbey. And then it's just like grazing sheep. Like it's um very remote, remote. Thank you. That's exactly the word. So her and Sally are rooming in what they call the King's room or the King James room, because apparently King James had spent some time in this abbey. It's that old. Um, 
in this room, it is large and it has tall ceilings and the stone walls are stone, antique furniture. It's exactly what you would expect if you were to envision the king's room in an old abbey. Um, so, and I'll post a picture of the room on our show notes. About a week before the girls were to be heading home, something strange happened one night. Margaret is laying in bed and she's trying to go to sleep and she's not able to. And she's lying there with her eyes open when she sees a light above her head. And she wanted me to preface this by saying that neither her or Sally had been drinking this particular night. Okay. So at first, at first she thinks that it's like some headlights that were coming in the window. But then she realized that isn't possible because there are no cars around. Like, it's just sheep out there. There's nobody there. So she's staring at this light and realizes that it isn't looking like normal light. It looks like stardust. And it's like shimmering stardust in this like swirling cloud above her head up towards the ceiling. And she's like, holy shit. And she like closes her eyes. She rubs her eyes. And it's still there. And she's looking at it for several minutes when she hears Sally go, Margaret, do you see that? And they both see (gasps) this like shimmering stardust cloud above their heads. And so they they get out of bed and they go look in the window to make sure it's not some other strange light coming in through the window. There's nothing outside the window. It's pitch black. So then they go and they switch on the light, turn off the light, and then the light's gone. It vanishes. So about two days later, Sally starts to get a pain in her ear. Now, Sally rarely gets sick and has never in her whole life ever had an ear infection or any kind of infection, really. And the pain is just getting worse and worse. The problem is that they're supposed to fly home in a few days. And if she has an ear infection, she can't fly home. So they're discussing the situation on their way down to breakfast one morning and they're going down this stairwell that they've passed a dozen times. And all of a sudden Sally stops in front of one of the paintings and she's like, Oh, this is an interesting painting. And they had never stopped at these paintings the whole four months they were there. And all of a sudden she's like drawn to stop at this. And they look at this painting and it's of Lord North. And she goes to read this placard. And discovers that Lord North had spent some time in the Abbey, but his life was cut short due to death by ear abscess. Ooh. What? Okay, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> they're, like, shocked about this information. First of all, they'd seen this weird, freaky, like, shimmer light, and then to, like, of all the times to stop in front of all of the hundreds of paintings they stop at this Lord North who very possibly could have stayed in the King's room ear abscess needless to say that very day Sally went to the um, 
infirmary. She got some medicine. She got some eardrops and was able to like alleviate her ear pain and not die of it. Thank goodness. Um, And then they flew home as scheduled. So the name of the abbey is called Roxton Abbey outside of London. And um, I typed in Roxton Abbey haunted. And there is a fella who posted a story about his haunted experience on YouTube. So it's this American guy named Paul. Oh, named Josh. And he went to the school. I mean, Margaret was there, I want to say, in the probably late 80s. Okay. This fellow was there probably 10 years ago. So where he was staying was next to the king's room, where okay. Margaret stayed. There's the king's room, and then there's the queen's room. And then in the middle, there's like, it was like the size of a closet, he said. And it was kind of what he called the boning room, where the king and the queen would meet in this little room, and they'd boop, 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 boop get it on, and then go back to their separate chambers. Oh. So he was staying in the bone room. So one night, Josh and some of his classmates went down into the little village that's nearby um, to the tavern and had a few drinks. And they were heading back to the abbey and wanted to keep the party going. So they go into the queen's room. One of the classmates is staying there. So they're in the queen's room. And they're partying for about an hour, and it's starting to die down. And that's when they start to hear it. They all look up and on the ceiling are swarms of big fat flies. He said it was like a foot thick of infested flies on the ceiling. Hundreds and hundreds of them. And one of several of the classmates were like, Peace out by, no, I'm not dealing with this. One of the boys starts throwing a basketball up onto the ceiling. Dunk, dunk. And every time he throws it up, flies are dropping. They're dropping onto the the bed, onto the floor. And Josh goes and informs the, like, night guard person. And he, the night guard person's like, well, you know, it's, um... That thing happens sometimes. <laughs> like, totally dismissed him. Well, Josh was like, well, I'm going to go next door into the boning room. Good night. Goodbye. The next morning, he goes back into the queen's room to, like, see this fly situation. There are, like, five twitching flies on the floor. Not a other single fly in sight. Ew. Every single fly is gone. Where did they go? I don't know. But it was a, that's not necessarily a haunting, but it is truly a perplexing thing. And And it happened disturbing on the ceiling, two doors down from the king's room. Something fishy is going on in that abbey. So I also came across um, on this uh, abbey's, the school's, website about the Abbey, somebody had put up a comment, hey, did anybody have any experiences while they went to school here? And there was a girl, Amy, who commented. She said, I went to school there in the fall of 1970. I was in room number nine. 
I would hear children playing in the courtyard in the middle of the night. It was so loud and so real. I would wonder how they got there and why their parents allowed them to stay up so late. Then I found out that they were really just ghosts. Wait, wait, that's the meat of the story. Girl, tell us more. How do you know they were just ghosts? And whose ghosts are they? But apparently, like, it's notorious. Like, everybody seems to have some story or another. Like, there was one rumor going around that there's this one particular room where the girls who stay there get sexually molested by ghosts. And numerous, like five or more and and they would it would always happen like separated by two one to two years so it was like and it's americans studying abroad so a lot of these you know it wasn't until later that when people started talking they were like oh my gosh that happened to me too but it's not something you really like talk about no being molested by a ghost no so i don't know the details of that but that's another rumor going around in the abbey what the heck is an ear abscess so no idea what the ear abscess is but i was curious about lord north yeah and apparently britannica.com says that lord north um, was basically known as the person who whose leadership contributed to the loss of Great Britain's American colonies in the American Revolution. Oh. So he was the reason why Great Britain lost that war. So um, got me thinking, though, if that is some kind of like strange ghostly apparition and then she started having the abscess and they're straight up americans like that to me is like is he seeking revenge well so then one thing that was interesting is we've been doing this for over two years now i have not heard of a shimmering stardust ghost before yeah and i wasn't sure if anybody else had heard about that before. So I found a woman online. She's an interesting lady, but she gives off a list of what do ghosts actually look like. There's the mist ghost, the apparition, the orb, a dark shadow. But on here, there is the shimmer ghost. And it says another way you might see something is as a shimmer in the air. It will look like there is an invisible energy shimmering in midair. It's like a distortion of what you're normally seeing. It has no color, and it will look like a portal is opening up in your bedroom. If you can keep your eye on the shimmer, it too will likely move around. What if Lord North, though, saw this sparkly, shimmery, stuff in his room and then he did just get an ear abscess from it whatever it was caused it's been around for yes Yes. and maybe and maybe it's just fly eggs climbing in there laying their little eggs little maggots exploding out and that is actually i hate that idea (laughs) but plausible so if it was way out in the middle of nowhere like that Mm -hmm. it is a problem in like farmlands 
there are a lot of flies and sometimes they just come out of the dirt. They just rise. It's the night of the living front fly. But where did the flies go? Like that, that's, where did they I don't come know. from? Where'd they go? Oh, that's where did they come so... from? I, and my immediate thought was that the other flies ate the dead ones. That would have explained oh. that. Because they're scavengers. <laughs> ate them up and then got out. I don't know. <laughs> I'm grossed out. I love that you're, you're, yeah, you're normally the one grossed out by the fly stuff, but you're going all in with the fly theories. If it's something long standing there and he, the guard is like, oh, that happened. I hadn't even thought about Lord North being cursed. And then, you know, the same thing happening years later. (gasps) That is interesting. Your abscesses have taking people out at that abbey. Right? Ooh, that's a good quandary. Okay, so in conclusion, the abbey is haunted, for sure. And number two, everybody ask their book club members if they've got a story, because that is something to discuss over your glass of wine at book club. And then you tell us. (laughs) Okay, I have another story from you. Uh, Nope, not from you, for you. But from Steve, who is a friend of the podcast. Oh, and he has is ri- a skeletal's treasure. Yes. And he's written in a couple times. And I wish we had earmarked and told you which stories, he, what episodes to listen to, because his stories are meant. So anyway, Steve wrote in. And Steve's from Buda, Texas. And he says... None of us enjoys a long wait time, traffic, or any unexpected delays. Our egocentric selves tend to harbor the idea that these delays are personal, some unfair punishment for which we did not deserve. I try to bandage these stressors with thoughts that these delays are simply and imperatively essential. They are fate's adjustments in timing, a regulating service, and keeps us from disastrous demise." I'm fascinated by such tales of near misses, strange coincidences, or any story that makes you go, what? (laughs) (laughs) This this submission is no tale of final destination. However, the Skeletal's philosophy of going not beyond, but in parallel with the ghosts and ghouls, opening to all storytelling of unusual life experiences, cracked the lid of inspiration to recall this one. Oh, Stephen, so beautifully written. So the title of this one is Split Personalities, Personalities Split. Ooh, Uh okay. okay. I am so ready. While in high school, around 1991 or so, I wrote a dark story from the perspective of a man in unforgiving destitute. It was a lengthy story, so I will not chew up your time with its entirety. The frosting of the tale was something like this. He awoke in the confines of some darkened cell, absent of any memory of what brought him to this place. The cell was windowless, long and narrow. He stood silently, eyes wide in the swirling blackness. He was not alone. Several men stood around him, densely packed in this torturous room without option to lay or move. No one spoke as all seemed intently focused on this perplexing space, this perplexing place. The ceiling consisted of a great hatch covering its entirety and opened aside by way of vast hinges. This hatch opened 
and a great articulating machine cast its wicked shadow over the imprisoned men. The machine, like the talons of some great osprey, lowered and seized one of the men by his head, extracting him from the cell. Blinding light streamed through the room from the open hatch. The other men squinted and peered upward to witness the man's fate. The terror was immense as they watched the man lit a fire, slowly fading to ash, and whisked away with the wind. The story goes on to describe the wrenching anxiety from the perspective of the man as each prisoner is taken and met with the same fate till he is all that is left. He just waiting for his inevitable demise. This was an anthropomorphic tale where the men are not men, but cigarettes packed in a box in lieu of a cell, taken out at random, lit, lit on fire, and smoked. Love it, right? Okay. Steven, you clever. My grandfather was a World War II vet and spent his early days in the Dust Bowl of Oklahoma. He was heavily skilled in all trades and had zero interest or drive for the creative. He was the silent type that never volunteered information about himself and certainly didn't tell stories. As a result, I never really knew him or the depth of his personality. Years after his passing, my mother discovered a box of letters he had written to my grandmother while he was overseas in the early 1940s. The content of the these letters was as expected. Short, factual accounts of his time with little description or insight into his thoughts. However, one of these letters was much longer than the others. It read differently, too, as it seemed to be a fictional story. A story about men in a dark cell, each removed one by one and burned. No! The ending was predictable as it was near the ending was predictable as it was nearly word for word the <gasps> same story I would write some 50 years later. Ah, goosebumps, goosebumps. <laughs> None of my family had ever heard anything from him or my grandmother referencing this tale. I'm no literary scholar. Maybe this is an old tale that my grandfather and I absorbed subconsciously and later regurgitated as our own. I find my personality evolving into his as I get older, and I've begun to resemble him physically as well. So I prefer to think that some reincarnated soul split itself while in journey for another round of a human experience, dividing itself between two generations." As I mentioned in my review of Skeletales, the paranormal scares the shit out of me, but he used symbols, exclamation at hashtag dollar signs instead Aww. of the word shit. Just one. Oh, maybe, so maybe it was fuck. Maybe I just read that wrong. Sorry. Um, Pick a curse word, Alyssa. <laughs> out of me. Yeah, I find the paranormal media content fascinating and addictive, like some arachnophobe obsessed with spider documentaries. <laughs> Yes, I get it. <laughs> to quell this cowardice, I've planned a trip to Savannah, Georgia. I'm hopeful something worthy of submission occurs. Happy holidays, <gasps> Steve H. Steve, yes. Oh, my God. Um, So much. First of all, yes, please something happen in Savannah, but not so much that it scares the shit out of you. Right. But enough to where it makes a good story to share with us. If it scares the shit out of him, it's kind of okay, because then I'll write it in, right? God, I guess. God. I mean, I guess for the podcast. Steve, 
absolutely you are reincarnate of your great grandfather. Like, what are the freaking chances? That is so fantastical. Now I feel like I want to anthropomorphize all these different things that are around me that I use every day, like my spoons. (gasps) I feel like you only just said that sentence to show off that you could say the word anthropomorphize. (laughs) Uh, First try. But if I was reading it, I would definitely not have been able to. (laughs) It may appear as though it was my first take when you hear that, but it was not. Steve's writing style, I want to read it every single day. Like when you publish that book, Steve, let us know. I'm buying it immediately. I mean, that's so beautifully written. Didn't wasn't Steve a police officer? Yeah. This is just his like side hobby being a fucking paranormal poet is what he is. Steve. Paranormal poet. I love that. (laughs) New title, Steve. Okay, so I was sort of wanting to go down this rail of shimmering ghosts. So I found a story written by a fella named Uncle. Uncle, got it. Uncle, here we go. 20 years ago, I was in Decatur, Illinois for a family wedding. It was nice to see my brothers again since I live in Texas. Oh, boom, coming back to Texas. If you've ever been to Decatur, then you know how little there is to do. One night, Derek, Buck, their friends, and myself were outside spraying pools of off the mosquito spray (laughs) into our hands and lighting it on fire. (laughs) And then he says, everyone is allowed to be in their early 20s once. Bored, my brother Derek suggested we go visit this old church that was abandoned around 70 years ago. It was supposed to be haunted, and it sounded like fun. All of us thought it was a great idea. We would make a night of it with some beers, some weed, and their new DVD player. So we got everything together and hopped into the Suburban. I'm wondering now, he said DVD player. I think he may have meant CD player. (laughs) Maybe they didn't know what it was and how it worked. (laughs) Let's go jam on. Listen to some tunes on this DVD player. Sorely disappointed if it was a DVD player. It was a cold, clear night. The snow embankments gleamed against the black highway from the headlights. Slowly, the highway turned into backcountry roads that turned into winding one-lane paths. We listened to the classic rock station until it turned into static. Then we began to tell stories from our childhoods, making each one laugh as we got high, not even noticing the forest had crept up upon us. After about two hours of driving, we finally arrived at our destination. Across an open field covered in snow, maybe a hundred yards away, sat an old abandoned chapel, bathed in the pale moonlight. The roof had long ago collapsed. Much of the stonework was crumbling. One stained glass window remained. Everything looked cold and gray. Next to the small and lonely chapel lay the cemetery. The broken and weathered tombstones made it look every bit of 200 years old. There was really no way of knowing for sure without walking up to them through the stinging wind. All of our bravado on the way there turned into silence as we sat parked alongside the dirt road. 
Everything was surrounded by thick pines that morphed into an inky black, separating us from the outside world. What seemed like no more than five minutes just sitting in the suburban and watching out the windows, a small round blue light appeared from out of nowhere. It looked ethereal, translucent, and opaque at the same time. Alone, it floated above the old graveyard, seemingly unaffected by the wind. One by one, more of them slowly appeared until the air above the graveyard was filled with them, some swaying together, others appearing to move of their own accord. It was both beautiful and ghostly. Each of us began to feel feel the swell of fear fill our chests, saying very little to each other now. Then in the middle of the swarm, a single red orb shimmered into existence, perhaps from beyond the veil. Whether the sudden heavy atmosphere of evil was real or imagined, terror now clutched at all of us, except for my brother Derek. He was determined to get out and get a closer look. We pulled him back inside the car as he barely opened the door. There was no way that we were staying there one second longer. As one might expect, expect, the person in the driver's seat was having a hard time starting the car through sheer panic. We were just going to smoke a couple of joints and walk around a bit, hoping that something might happen. But knowing that nothing would, none of us had expected this. The first turn of the key, nothing. The second turn of the key, the engine tried to turn over. Finally, the car came to life on the third try. Our fear and panic slowly subsided the further away we got from that place. Sometimes I think about that cold, dark night. How much of it really happened the way we all remember? Just the other day, I asked my brother Buck about it. He said that it still gives him the chills. Fortunately, I live in Texas, far away from the cold winds of Decatur, Illinois, Every now and then I wonder what would have happened if I went back to that old abandoned chapel. Would it be empty and lifeless? Would something similar happen again? Would it even still be there? It's like a horror movie. That is yes. exa- that's like a bad dream where at first you can't get the keys in the ignition. It's like a bad <laughs> movie because they're dropping it. And then, then once you get in, it's like, like it is a horror movie. Oh my gosh. Oh, I like that though. It really sets the scene for some sort of teen horror flick. And then yeah. they all were murdered. That's the opening oh, scene. Or or like what you see is this the suburbans driving away and there's a red orb floating yeah, behind. Yeah. And it's like Exactly. Oh. All right, Stephen, get on it. There's a next story for There you, you. go. <laughs> Screenplay. <laughs> but yes, good job, Uncle. Thank you for letting me use your story. Oh, yeah, Uncle. Thank you for the story. Okay, so last week we told you some unsolved mysteries, right? And there were unsolved I mysteries. was into it. I love it. Yes. From every state. And so I was going through all the states, and I think I mistakenly said the Nevada 15, but it was actually <laughs> Nebraska 15. I switched I it up halfway. So that. Yeah. But the one for Montana. Mm-hmm is The Vortex and the House of Mystery in Montana. 
Yes. Okay. So just 13 miles from Glacier National Park, you can pass through a portal in which the laws of nature are set aside. A gravitational anomaly forces trees to grow sideways and makes people appear as much as six inches shorter. A shack in the vortex (laughs) called Brit's like, that sounds like heaven. Send me the address. Sign me up. (laughs) Normal size. (laughs) A shack in the vortex called the House of Mystery is the home to bizarre phenomenon. A marble rolled on an incline will travel upward and a rope hanging from the ceiling fans in a curve. Okay? So... I've actually been to this vortex in Montana. Have I told no you about my way. visit there? I have no. been there. Not to shit on a small business. In <laughs> <laughs> a way, friend. Some of Mitch's family had gone there the day or two before. And one mm-hmm. of the family members said in the parking lot, I could feel the energy from the parking lot. And like, it was amazing. <laughs> it's so intense. And they're like, oh my God, yeah, this marble goes uphill and telling us about it. And, you know, I was like, holy shit, Mitch, we have to go check this out. Like, I was like, look at that marble. Let's go get our minds absolutely blown. Uh-huh. I was... Very disappointed. It was like a fun house that was like on the side. So you're just it, it, a leaning house. Yes, is what it, it was is, a leaning. It? it was like a house that fell down the hill, and they're like, "Let's just build some stuff straight." Literally, I'm pretty sure that is what happened. It was an old homestead that slid down the hill, and they decided to like make it into a Monetize tourist attraction. Essentially, oh, I love it. so I was like, "Okay, how did that one make the list?" In all of Montana, you couldn't find another like incident. Anything unsolved or mysterious in the whole huge state of Montana. But I did. This is the most terrifying ghost story to ever come out of Montana. And this is from the website Only in Your State. So this is about the Belton Chalet, a hotel in Glacier National Park. And it's one of Glacier's oldest buildings and also one of its most haunted. So the hotel was built in 1910 and restored in 2000. And the ghost stories guests tell after staying here are chilling. I'm a very logical person, wrote one hotel guest after staying at the Belton Chalet in 2008. I pride myself on looking at big pictures and not overreacting to anything that can be reasoned away. The guest goes on to explain that he woke up shortly after falling asleep to the sound of boots in the hall. The footsteps stopped outside his door. The man turned to the door to look, but didn't see anyone. But when he rolled back over to go to sleep, there was a man by his window. <gasps> no. No. Nope, 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 nope. He, he asked the man what his name was and why he was there. And the man said he was a miner in the area and couldn't leave Glacier. The most chilling part, the ghost said his name was Lundgren. And the next day, the guest confirmed that there was indeed a Lundgren family in the area. What? That's bananas. That's why I hate that. I hate that story. 
No. Like, you could just stop with the boots outside your door. Fine haunting. No, but that's the worst Being thing. Being encountered in the window. No. Being drawn, looking this way, because you yes. think there's a sound of boots, and then, then to turn, turn back and dun-dun. Oh, I hate it. Man I standing it. in there. And then you have the sense to ask him what his name is. <laughs> I was like, what? He Well, he did preface in saying he's a logical big picture man. So, so he's like, I'm not going to overreact. This is probably just a real fellow. <laughs> okay, you're right. You're right. Okay. But that's far from the only story of paranormal activity at the Belton Chalet. One guest claims he was haunted by a big black cloud in his room <laughs> that appeared at 1.30 a.m. Nice. There are <laughs> there are also many stories about a prankster named Bob who likes to steal guests' keys and spook them however he can. But believe it or not, the ghost that has terrified guests the most at the Belton Chalet is the spirit of a little girl. Mm, In, like the Driscoll. Yes, exactly. That's what I was just thinking of. In 2009, a horrified woman ran into the lobby and said that her husband had been showering when he turned around and saw a little girl standing right there in the shower. No. <laughs> he and his <laughs> wife packed up and left his hair still wet. Since then, more people have come forward and admitted to seeing the little girl in the shower. Only the shower. Oh. <laughs> but this I mean, <laughs> But the ghost stories at the Belton Chalet are nothing compared to the spooky spirits of the Lake McDonald Lodge. Here, Ooh. a woman dressed in old-fashioned clothing has been spotted by security guards and a night auditor many times looking out the lobby windows that open to the lakeside veranda. Many guests have heard the terrible loud argument of a couple that isn't really there. And sometimes, late at night, guests and hotel employees will feel the unmistakable feelings of fingers running through their hair. That sounds kind of relaxing. The Many Glacier Hotel. That's the name of it? The Many Glacier Hotel. Okay. That's <clears throat> apparently the name of the hotel. The Many Glacier oh. Hotel has plenty of ghost stories. Unfortunately, many of them died with the former caretaker, Steve Lautenbach, in 2008 when he passed at the age of 37. Just young. Oh, wait. Okay. So he was the caretaker. He was a caretaker. Um, so he knew about the hotel's ghosts before he took the job, but he wasn't worried and he said their presence didn't bother him. Of course, this could all be chalked up to overactive imaginations, but it isn't likely. The old hotels wait, what about Steve? You're just gonna gloss over yeah, it? Just mention he, he just died like with a bunch of stories in his thirties? No more about Steve. It. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. what? Poor Steve. Okay, so the old hotels at Glacier National Park have made believers out of many skeptics, and it seems strange that so many people would be so mistaken. It's chilling to think there are ghosts lurking inside those walls that can't or won't leave. Of course, plenty of people stay at Glacier's old hotels and never see a spirit, making this simply a notoriously creepy Montana ghost story. If you're hoping to see something spooky, check out one of those haunted places, but yeah, it goes on <laughs> to a few. The little others, girl, but. the little girl in the shower is my favorite. The little she girl wins. in the shower, she wins um, hands down. Creepy est. I mean, we know water is a spiritual conduit, so that could have yes. something to do with it. I mean, did but she like, drown while you're in the? Showering? 
did she drown in the bathtub? Right? Like, and then yes. according to the miner, he can't leave. So this definitely oh, lends so credence to the idea that like they are trapped. Locality yes. ghost boundaries are a thing. Something happened on that land to these people and they're not able to get out. Oh, man. And then they just pop back into reality here and there. My name's Lumberg and uh, I can't leave. I, I help me. Well, does this make you want to go to Montana? I'm going in just a couple months, so uh, oh, gotta do some hunting. I'm going right near hotel stay. You are? It's a real ancient Airbnb um, that I'm staying at. That's new. (laughs) It's not new. We might. We we might. (laughs) Not ancient. Are you going to be near um, Glacier National Park, though? Heck yeah, I am. I've been to Glacier National Park, and that's why I went to the Vortex, because it was right next to Glacier National Park. And that's why I was like, this is the best you can do. Let's go. Do you know if any of these hotels are near where you will be? Like, you can pop in for just like a hello to say to Lundberg or whatever that... So I am... I don't know. So this was written um, by Jessica Wick in 2021. Couple things. There was a big fire at Glacier, and one some old lodge or something burnt down. I am not oh. sure if it was any of these. Two, they close a road that goes into Glacier oh, over in the, the winter, winter. Okay. and so I uh, don't know if we'll be able to get up there. But if I, oh dang! But if you can, because oh, then it would be off season, right? And like creepy old. That would oh, be like totally. The, the creepiest, very shining vibes. Uh-huh. It would be very ideal. On to something. Wait, that's yes. what the, this this Stephen Laudbacher, nothing more. He was the caretaker, died at 37. That's it? Okay, okay. Very creepy. Reader's Digest jo- needs to update job, their page. Montana. Montana. <laughs> um, but it does make me want to go stay at one of those ones. Which one would you stay at? Yes. I kind of want to see the creepy girl in the shower. Yeah. No, I don't. I would ch- I would choose her over the um jump scare coal I think miner. They're both jump scares. Oh, That's God, the thing. They're I both kind of jump scary. But I'm gonna just jump a little less with a little girl. <laughs> Although if the shower you're in a very vulnerable state, it is like you're naked and there's steamy mist everywhere, and then there's a little girl. That sounds terrifying. Nope, I just don't want any of them. But you need to do it. You can do it. Um, I, but the you miner seemed amicable. Oh, just true. He's a real chatty fella. Yeah, he's, he's ready like, to explain his story. Um, did you? <laughs> uh, did you see the season of ghosts with the when the plague girl? They bring the plague girl upstairs to yes. make the phone call, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and she's only. <laughs> She can only sing really creepy songs. And then that one moment where she does the very quick look to the side. And he's like. (laughs) It's a good show. It is a really good show. If that is the ghost in the shower, (laughs) I will take the minor. Thank you very much. The minor is welcome. Um, (laughs) No. No, no. Okay. Well. Hey, if you all at home have any stories, if you've stayed in a creepy haunted hotel in Montana, we'd love to hear about it. Write us. Mis- mysterious Montana stories. Heck yeah. General. Or, ooh, if you've stayed in a haunted Abbey. Abbey yes. You know Europe. what? We don't have enough Europe 
or UK stories. Yeah, European or UK like haunted stories. Castle need more. Yes. That it's double haunted over there. Heck yeah. Get oh yeah. On it. Please send them in. You can send them to mm-hmm. our hotbacks at skeletalespodcast at gmail.com or you could call us on the hotline. 302-689-DEAD, 302-689-3323. We just need one or two more, I don't even want to say stories, um, just call-ins, you know, a conversation that yeah. you can leave on our voicemail. We are ready for it. We're going to do another audio episode soon. So now is the time yeah. to call. Also, head on over to our Patreon Skeletal's podcast on Patreon. We have some sweet, hot content over there. Um, Episodes you can't hear anywhere else. We are posting new monthly stories, never before seen videos, discounts, gifts. It's all over there. Heck yeah. You can also go find us on all the social medias. We're over on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Join our Facebook community. Also, if you'd like to go support the shop and get some Skeletal swag, you can do that over on our Etsy shop. Yeah, skeletalspodcast.etsy. Heck Real yeah. Easy. We own Etsy. Go find oh. it. No, we don't. Oh, I wish. <laughs> Is there anything else, Britt? Oh, yeah. There was um, one last story I wanted to share that's real creepy. Haunt y'all later. Haunt you later. Good night. Good night.